Hi, I'm Darcy Hanna, author of the Beacon Bake Shop Mystery Series, author of the Very Cherry Mystery Series, author of the upcoming Food and Spirits Mystery Series, and author of several historical fiction. Did you ever wonder where I get my inspiration for the stories I write? I get it from my family, in particular from my conversations with my three amazing and creative sons. I'll be joined by my middle son, Dan, age 29, my youngest son, Matt, age 26. We have a great relationship, and we thought it would be fun to share our often wacky, often irreverent, yet always entertaining conversations with you. So buckle up, and welcome to the Motherboy Podcast. Hey guys, how are you doing Wait, this evening? Oh. All right, start over. Oh, God. My <laughs> <laughs> We're going. Oh my God! It's another seamless entry into the Motherboy podcast. How are you guys doing today? I'm uh, good. Pretty good. Well, the Bears lost. I know again. Really, it was really bad. It was terrible. They deserved. It's lose. one of those crippling losses that makes you lose hope in a team. Like yeah. it's your team. And wow. my friend texted me. He goes, "Are you okay?" I was oh, like, really? I was like, "No." Like, no we didn't even want to I'm talk about. Okay. It. How, how are you doing? Matt? You're a- I think they deserve a season like the Lions did where they just win nothing. I think they might lose all their games. I think they might lose all their games. Oh the way God. they play is just they're just they're they look like a college. It's team. a tough year to be a Bears fan. I have Yeah, um, it's gonna be bad this year. I'm jumping ship <laughs> to what right team? now. Which to team? Lions, I think. Lions I will root for the Lions this will, year probably. Because yeah, it, it is good to see. I might actually buy a jersey. I might actually buy a jersey. No, no, don't do that. A Lions jersey? If I buy a jersey, then we're jinx. I have, um, don't buy instead a of a jersey, jersey uh, Tanya made you some soap. It's called Manly Men Soap. So I think you just need to have some soap, smell it. And then I got a, then I got a real, ex- uh, then we have a real surprise for you. We have a real surprise today. What do you think? That is actually really You'd good. You'd wash it. You'd does scrub it, yeah. it with that. Does it smell like Tanya's husband? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, just like Tanya's husband. <laughs> just like she Tanya's husband. She actually does soap. smell no, really good, good, though. That it's seriously good. smells good. She dropped good. it like, off the other day because she's making, you know, I, I can't even put my soap. Like, That's very close to, like, Sasquatch or It's definitely distinctly Squatch. like a male scent. Too. Yeah, it is. It's like a like a Dr. Squatch. Mm-hmm. That's what it's not, it smells like. Well, and uh, speaking of Dr. Squatch. um. <laughs> get enough get another huff of that yeah oh yeah i know jesus. i wish it. okay oh, jesus. oh yeah. right. give me another guys huff guys stop sniffing the soap <sighs> all right like, are you guys all, like all invigorated i wish we could pass this through the computer because today we have a really wonderful special guest um this guest um is very near and dear to my heart because he is my younger cousin ryan cobb and ryan cobb is a up-and-coming author. So I told him he had to come on our podcast. So uh, before Ryan comes on, I'm going to read you his bio. It's very fun. There's a lot of material in this bio we can um, dig into. But um, So Ryan's first book came out in July. My, yeah, okay. <laughs> it came out July. Uh, so anyhow, Ryan Cobb is a new sci-fi author with no particular expertise whatsoever. A true jack-of-all-trades, master of none, he has worked in multiple laboratories, dug dinosaurs alongside actual paleontologists once, gone to too many schools, and proudly earned a degree in biology from the University of Missouri. Yay, Mizzou! He even tried to get into graduate school to become an actual scientist in no less than six completely different fields. (laughs) I love that. But that didn't exactly pan out. Now did it. On top of all that professional experience, he has spent countless hours Googling all kinds of interesting topics that his friends warned him not to Google. (laughs) I've been there too. (laughs) 
Fortunately for readers, he poured much of that useless knowledge into his first book, The Wild Shores of Pangea, in an effort to bring the joy of impractical knowledge to the world. After researching his first book, he now knows more about old submarines than he ever thought he would, and the Triassic period is no longer a foggy enigma of strangeness. Or rather, it still is. But now there's a sci-fi book about it. So enjoy. So Ryan, welcome to the Motherboy Podcast. Thank you. Lovely to be here. <laughs> we're, uh, <clears throat> Ryan's remote. We were, we were trying to get him in, but uh, that just didn't work out. But it's still good to see you. So um, you've, your first book came out this summer. I remember because we were on vacation when I got the text from you. Uh, you did your launch, um, and it is called The Wild Shores of Pangea. So, like, do you want to tell us a little bit about... What is Pangea? What is... First of all, yeah. <laughs> I'm weird, we're, we're what is a wild with, shore? We're dealing with these ignorant <laughs> children. <laughs> so, a wild shore is a, it's a shore like a beach, and uh, there's not people. So, that's what makes it wild. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Pangea. I mean, the the name of it explains what it is. Yeah, it, is. <laughs> it is what you can tell it's a wild shore by the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Pangea was actually the landmass that occurred during the Triassic period. It was basically the entire Earth's continents all mushed together into one weird giant supercontinent. And Pangea actually comes from the word Pangaea, which means all Earth. Oh, yeah. I heard the Gaia in there. Pangea, Don't. Gaia. Don't they believe there is a? This might not be part of Pangaea, but there's like a lost, like a lost continent in uh, the Pacific Ocean. That's Atlantis. That's Atlantis. <laughs> Wait, okay, a con- the right. continent? A continent, like a full continent, like a full like, like shelf big... of land that says beneath the ocean. Yes. I mean, I'm sure there probably are continents that Hold aren't on. considered continents now because they're below the ocean. Just, you know, the plate tectonics are very complicated. So That's I wouldn't be sure. It is crazy to believe um, that at one time all this, all these continents were one giant, like just a big pancake. And then they kind of broke apart. Yeah, like why did it start like that? Because like all the volcanoes were in one area or like how did that well, work? So the earth has, it has a bunch of lava inside of it, as we may know. And uh, it's kind of, trying to think of how to describe it, but it's kind of like if you put a bunch of little floating pieces of styrofoam on a boiling pot of water, right? So they're going to they're gonna just move around as the bubbles kind of hit them, and they're going to push together sometimes. They're going to push apart some other times. Yeah, and then they and move so, around. Yeah, they crazy? move around. And so, you know, like mountains form when two of those pieces collide, and they push. They, oh, you guys, we're not video. Uh, so they push together. <laughs> He's moving his hands together. I know. We, we could describe. He's like doing a very good job of like explaining what Pangea is with hand movement. You're like Italian, yeah. Ryan, but I know you're not. <laughs> no hand gestures. I'll try and keep it there. You know, you can uh, hand so gesture. Yeah, mountain, so mountains form when continents collide and you get valleys and trenches like the Mariana Trench when continents separate. That's so, so And cool. basically there's a convection current of lava underneath the surface of the earth that is pushing all these continents to and, you know, towards and away from each other. That is so cool. And how, so tell us a little bit about the book, because I, I was um, privileged to get an early read and I know you've done um, an edit since or a couple edits since then, but um, I, I love your imagination. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about it and then we'll talk more about like what inspired you to write this book. So, yeah. So it's basically a time travel story where uh, a physicist named Beth Braxton discovers how to travel through time. And she, at first she 
thinks she can maybe, you know, do the things that people try and do and change history, but then she kind of realizes that's not, not a viable option. I go into that a little bit in the book kind of later in it, but uh, eventually they settle on the fact that you can only really use time travel without creating a new universe by going back before history, because then ah. you're not, you're not changing things that people already know have been a certain way. You know, if that makes sense. No, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that makes yeah. sense. Like before human history. So you're not like screwing with like the humans yeah. timeline. Kind yeah. Of thing. So it, it's kind of the Heisenberg uncertainty principle where if you don't know about something, then it doesn't, or if you know about whether, how did I, I had this it's all in so my complicated. <laughs> it's too complicated even for me. I'm tired and I'm drinking, but so you know you're gonna I get, know, well, you're gonna get what you're gonna get. It, no, it's it's later, but I I kind of understand what you said when I read the book. I thought that was uh, like a really genius thing because a lot of time travel books go back in time and then somebody moves something or like you know like oh what if Hitler what if we killed Hitler before he became Hitler you know what I mean? And, it's, the and, then, worse. and then then how the yeah and then the those kind of books, but I love the fact that you just kind of went so far back. We killed Hitler, and then we gave birth to Mega Hitler. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that, but those yeah, are those are those are but 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 the sci-fi that's so cool because you have to think these things through. But all right, okay, go go back. Uh, so you've got the. I I derailed you. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Wait, where were you? You were okay. doing your description. Um, where was it? okay so they they discover they can go back in time they go back to the so they decide to go back to the dinosaur period just for research purposes they want to learn about the triassic period is what they pick to start um they they decide have to set on there they have to decide on a vehicle to do so and so this i think is kind of where i started the idea i really wanted to see a time machine in a submarine what? No, so, yeah so what was <laughs> just because that i love submarines yeah we'll dig into that in a little bit so you yeah, so but, you the, your people, your your characters, find a very interesting submarine. Oh wait a minute, they do. So I didn't even know the submarine existed, but uh, they discover that in World War II, the Japanese created a submarine that could launch an aircraft. And the idea behind this sub was to go around the south coast of you know, the coast of South America and come around to attack the or attack the U.S. from the east coast. And so it's got a long range and it's got a scout plane, basically. So I was like, oh. That seems like a really good expedition vehicle. Yeah. No, that is <laughs> because, a you know, good call. Yeah, because when you go back in time, you're not going to have roads, so cars aren't going to be real effective. You could maybe bring some motorcycles, but, you know, God, you're only going to get so far. So with a plane, you can do LiDAR scans and get topography maps. So I thought that would be pretty useful. <laughs> no, that is crazy. So so, so they go, okay. You Dan and I saw the one of the planes that came out of that submarine is in the Smithsonian in D.C., Oh, it is. Yeah, the sailor. Is. Yeah. Is that what... The problem was, was that uh, radar existed back in the day, and also it took yeah. them an hour to get the plane, basically built and then launched, and then another hour to pack how, it up. How could they land it? Do they just land? Is it no, just a blind landing? Yeah, it's got oh, a water it, just, it lands on the water, and there's a crane that they use to hoist it back into the ship. Oh, it's so just gonna cool. land at all. Because uh, part of the idea of that plane, it has detachable pontoons, not only for storage, but to increase its range capability without the chance of landing. So oh, that's terrible. That's kind of cool. <laughs> that's the little dark side of it. Yeah. You're like, yeah. one of you is cool, and I'm like, terrible, terrible. I forgot what they did with the, 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 yeah, the actual submarine. I believe one was two or three were built, or one was fully built. Yeah, they did. Well, they built a couple different dog. models of it. They had... They had some that had like three planes they could hold and some that it could only hold one. So I don't know exactly how many there were, but there was a pretty, there's a few of them at least. I, I believe that they fully built one of them. 
and that there was another one being built under IDOC when the Americans showed up. And the Americans took it over, and then they destroyed it. But it's pretty rare. And I think it's so cool that you landed upon that, because that brings your people when they travel back into time. But like, what freaks me out is like traveling so far back. Yeah. Like, I mean, and you, I think you had a good way to kind of get through that in your book, and I'm not going to just... Um, spoil that but um yeah so so your your two main characters go back into the triassic and why did you why did you pick triassic that gets very interesting well so the cretaceous and jurassic periods are a little more well known and so everybody knows they're all familiar with the dinosaurs like you've got you know triceratops t-rex brachiosaurus all those kind of things and i was like you know what let's go somewhere different and so, you know, just, just from my point of view, I was like, let's do Triassic because I don't know much about it and I like researching things. I want to mm -hmm. learn about it. And then as I was learning, I was like, okay, also a good reason for them to go back. There's not quite as many really large predators back there. Like, you don't have to deal with a T-Rex. The biggest thing they have is a little jackal-sized coelophysis, so. Yeah, and that, like, the names, too, were killing me because, like, I am not good with my scientific names. Yeah, um, wait, what well, were yeah, the dinosaurs? Back in God, Ryan, what, what how'd you like? What were the rip that out of your like head? Then? The Cela, what is it? Celophysis. Yeah, what is that? You said it's a jackal thing. Uh, what? No, it's not. So it's a it's a two or it's a a lizard thing. Well, oh, dinosaur. Dinosaur that walks on two legs. <laughs> no, we Sorry, like lizard yeah, things. Was, <laughs> it's a mini T Rex. I meant reptilian. It's a reptile. <laughs> A two-footed reptile or a bipedal reptile. So it, it looks like a little tiny T-Rex, if you think about that, walking on its hind legs. But it's got a very long neck, long tail, very skinny, kind of looks just a little, almost it might have looked gaunt almost just because it's so snake-like almost. I oh, guess. weird. <laughs> yeah. And they, uh, so they're, they were the main predator back in the Triassic and they, they think they might have been solitary hunters, but there's also one fossil they found at, at a place called Ghost Ranch, where they found maybe 50 of them all in one spot. Oh, my goodness. So they're not sure if that was, like, it either could be just that they all landed in the same river and kind of got washed to the same area, or maybe they were giant pack hunters, and they hunted, like, a bunch of hyenas, you know? Yeah. God, it's so it's so cool when you, like, um, study something that ancient, and you really don't. It's hard to know. Yeah, it's hard to know, like, their behavior. Like, when I was growing up, dinosaurs were lizards, but then they came out now with the theory that dinosaurs might have been more like um, birds. Like, have feathers and stuff. Birds, like, like yeah. yeah. Very bird-like. Yeah, bird-like. So when I was a kid, they were, like, these giant heavy things, and you go to a museum now. And yeah, they, they I remember that. Like, they had, like, Sue or whatever. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I don't think Brachiosaurus is going to be light no matter how... <laughs> Yeah. No matter what he's got. That's for, the really big, muscle. the really, really big one, right? Yeah, I think that's the... Yeah, that's the big one you see in the beginning of Jurassic Park. Yeah, that was like on huge long neck. Like it's like a super giraffe. Oh, yeah. That oh, thing. those are, those are yeah. so... Yeah. I mean, on Jurassic Park, they're so pretty. But so so back to that. So what... I mean, I've known you since you were born. So, um, and I knew ever since you were little, you love dinosaurs. So what is it oh, that yeah. inspired you? It's like a lot of us outgrow our childish passions it's, but it's cool it is really no but okay. like but there's a lot like, of it's I mean, cool it's like a muscle car it's cool dinosaurs <laughs> are sick dinosaurs yeah are muscle sick. cars never go out of style <laughs> yeah but so you've always has it really always been a passion for you um yeah i think so i mean i wasn't always necessarily set on like i need to study dinosaurs like you know for a while i was like oh let's do microbes and let's do marine biology and all this kind of stuff but dinosaurs mm -hmm. were always kind of just a fun little background thing that I've always been like, ooh, 
dinosaurs are cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're cool because it's like the unknown, right? We just see, we just see fossils of them. Yeah. Maybe yeah, we echoes. know we know so little about them. It's just. <laughs> Well, that's like we it. say we know a lot, but really, how many like we... the, the the chances of like some animal dying and becoming a fossil are like crazy low, right? Oh yeah, very low, especially yeah. for soft-bodied animals. Like that's why the Cambrian, um, I can't think of what it, it's like. There's there's a shale, the Burgess shale. It was such an incredible discovery because there were a whole bunch of soft-bodied animals that all fossilized from the pre-Cambrian era or something like. That. I don't remember what the era is. Don't quote me on that. But they were from a very long time ago, and people were like, oh we thought this was a barren kind of place, but actually they just weren't fossilizing because they didn't have skeletons. Isn't that oh, crazy? Wow. Wait, is that, um, so I used to watch a show on, I think it's Discovery, and they pull up all these triceratops. It's a dinosaur. It's out in Wyoming. Have you ever oh, yeah. watched the show Dinosaur Hunter, Dino Hunter? And oh, was, yeah. That's like thinking... a bunch of farmers just trying to right. make money. Right, yeah. right. But it blew me away because I was thinking of you because I know you had gone on a dig when you were um, in college for, or out of college. Um, and it blew me away that these people, ranchers out, and I think it's Wyoming and Montana, there's a certain area, and they just Hell's have Creek. Hell's Creek, and they just have so many dinosaurs on their property. Yeah, that's nuts. And they sell them to museums to get extra money so they can continue ranching. It where where do they tough. believe the impact crater is for the meteor oh it's, well that's a theory do you subscribe to that theory do you think it's legit oh 100 yeah the so theory. there's a lot of reasons i do but and i know okay so the the impact crater is actually in the yucatan peninsula it's in mexico the, right yeah you know that uh, yeah sorry that's in, that's down in mexico they didn't even know that crater existed until i think they saw satellite images that were showing things below the water and they realized hey there's a giant ring here oh. and the the size of that crater meant it would have been a worldwide impact would have had a huge devastating effect on it. I think they also discovered something about the time period of the rocks on the surface there that indicate that happened at the right time. But the reason that I do subscribe to the theory that that kind of ended the dinosaur's reign is that the thing called the, uh, what do they call it now? It's the KT, it was called the KT boundary, now it's the KPG boundary. <laughs> um, but there's a, Paul, is there's it, a is little it, boundary. <laughs> There's a little boundary line that you can actually see if you see any rocks with, you know, visible striations. You can see a little, ah, I need video. I'm doing all the hand motions. No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Diving so you in. Can see a, yeah, exactly. You can see a very distinct black line. And in that line, there is a very high levels of iridium, which is not something that's found on Earth. Oh, it's yeah. only found is that like the nuclear meteor. glass or whatever? Um, so... It's not, a, I don't think it's a clear glass. I think it's a metal. Like they use it in um, like fountain pens, I know, for oh, some really? reason. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, so they have so this this tiny layer has a bunch of iridium in it. So they know it's probably not of earthly origin, and it's found worldwide. And they don't find any of the non-avian dinosaurs above it. So pretty much they're like, okay, something hit here, caused a bunch of radiation from space, oh, and wow. there's no dinosaurs afterwards. That's crazy. <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy. So so you're yeah. saying that the the flying dinosaurs, and I think you cover those. Um, in Look your book, right? You, you uh, cover the, not pterodactyl, but what is the precursor to the pterodactyl? Well, the group is called pterosaurs. That's, oh, pterosaur. that's just kind of all the flying ones. Yeah. I There's think, a bunch of different ones. Then. Yeah. So you're saying that once that hit, no more no more pterodactyls or any dinosaur above that? You just meant every Yeah, every... pretty much. I mean, aside from birds, so birds did survive the KPG event. So that whole thing, it, it used to be Cret uh, Cretaceous, tri no, Cretaceous 
tertiary, but then they were like, oh, we've already got a T, so we're going to change it to Cretaceous Paleogene. So, oh, my so now goodness. It's the, K, it's the KPG boundary. These scholars. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. Birds, birds are the only dinosaurs that have survived above the, P, the KPG boundary. What about sharks? Aren't those pretty old? They're not dinosaurs. What about they're not dinosaurs? What do you mean they're not dinosaurs? No. I alligators are dinosaurs. <laughs> Wait. Okay, we don't know what a dinosaur Wait, is. Wait, is it alligator or a dinosaur? What's your between a shark and a dinosaur? Uh, well, uh, you know, it's interestingly, we're all evolved from the same last, <clears throat> same universal common ancestors. So they know that everything whales? on earth is, no. yeah, whales. Too. Everyone came from uh, whales, right? Everything on earth evolved from the same universal common ancestor, which they call Luca, the last universal common ancestor. What the? And oh. based and you know, you can kind of go through and study a phylogenetic tree and see like, okay, this group branched off here. They developed egg laying. This group branched off here. They developed scales. This group branched off here. They developed, you know, memory memory lands. So everything on Earth is related to everything else. And the idea of the species and all that stuff, it's just a way for humans to categorize how things are different. So at some point, sharks and dinosaurs and humans were all the same animal. <laughs> That's crazy. They're all like a little single so cell like, organism. All like all like the you know the bronchiosaurus t-rex whatever all of those are like the same like wh what is it just class or i know there's like the phylum genus species whatever in the yeah kingdom phylum kp what is it? kingdom phylum i don't know whatever that kingdom. thing yeah you're right yeah, yeah yeah so they're all like on the same branch of that they're on a branch um they so they have little branches within them so mm -hmm. like there's the ornithischian dinosaurs there's the sauropod there's i don't know which i don't know I'm not really great at the cladistic stuff, so. But <laughs> it's fascinating it. how like life just kind of kept going and just kind of branching off. Yeah. So they're a branch yeah. of an ancestor that was Luca. L Luca. Yeah. Yeah. So they think that Luca was a microbe that everything kind of came from, and there might have been other living things at the time, but not, none of those branches survived, God, as far as nuts. I know, because there's nothing that's so different that it couldn't have been related at all. We all use the same DNA right. uh, code. So yeah. that's kind of one of the big hints. So. God, that is so that's fascinating really to, to, to just like that just makes you appreciate life on Earth. Like it's so random. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like yep. when you bring it all down there, it's like look, it's staring out into space and you're like, oh, my God, look at all But the, sharks are not in, dinosaurs. Well, they're what would you call sharks what? Aren't They're what? So sharks, sharks branched off a pretty long time ago. They are teleosts, I believe, which is a it's kind of like the fish. Um, no, they're not teleosts. Oh, God, what are they? I didn't study my biology stuff before. No, the my gosh! Don't <laughs> ask your deep questions because I want to know. You're doing great. You're doing great. They're, uh, they're, they're cartilaginous fish, so they branched off from the teleosts, which are the bony fish, and the teleosts, which are the bony fish, are what eventually evolved into the the land animals like dinosaurs and humans and all that kind of stuff. God, okay. but, but sharks, but the sharks, sharks and the uh, sharks rings and guitar fish all kept the cartilaginous skeletons. So that is crazy. But what they're saying is like during, let's just say, um, uh, all right, wait, wait, what is it? Sharks have been around for like they've coexisted time. with yeah, dinosaurs they, for like the entire thing though. Like megalodon. Oh, yeah. We hear about so that's that's kind of a weird thing. Yeah, yeah, megalodons are sharks. So that that's kind of a weird thing that's always kind of made me wonder because you know they haven't found any dinosaurs on land past the KPG boundary, but they also didn't find any of the mosasaurs, ichthyosaurs, and plesiosaurs, which are all the marine reptiles. So I've always kind of wondered, like, why did they die out right. when they're also in the water? 
But Ryan, Ryan, back up and there. And the sharks, right. Wait, wait, back up. You and I both know there's still plesiosaurs out there. Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> That's where they <laughs> are. Um, <laughs> probably because the, the, the reptiles come out of the water eventually. It could be. Yeah, they do breathe air. So it might be that there was something in the air that was killing Ooh, them all. How did the birds survive? The fish didn't breathe that. But then yeah. why did the birds survive? Yeah. yeah. Birds survived and plesiosaurs didn't. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. Crazy. Yeah. Don't make no sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah so there's sense. a lot we don't know, which I, is so cool. I have a couple. I have some questions. So um, do you know who Graham Hancock is? Uh, oh, is, is he the religious guy who has like, he like argued against Bill Nye? No, 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 no. Billy Graham. He has this theory about, uh, oh God, what is it called? Basically, his theory is that human civilizations, and I don't know if you're if you know a lot about human civilizations or whatever, but his theory is that human like um, like I guess not super modern, but like relatively modern human civilizations have been around longer than we think. Oh, been I know who you're for. talking about. Uh, he, ancient alien theorists? No, 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 no. no. It's no. it's not ancient aliens. It's <sighs> it, he's like an archaeologist, and there's a lot of controversy in this special? area. But um, he had this What's yeah, the special called Ancient Apocalypse. Ancient Apocalypse. Yeah, oh and, yeah, I did watch a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you if you know like the whole theory behind it, but he basically makes the argument that like uh, he kind of incorporates like the the lost city of Atlantis into this, and how every great like native civilization built all these pyramids and they like you find all these historic uh like sites that are like date like i think gobekli tepe is one in like pre-turkey or something or hungary and they they go back it goes back like to like like, twelve thousand bc it goes they go back way farther than they should go back and they uh because they can date them and then they they go back farther that they thought that humans are like modern like they to build these structures that they've dated they they think that they would have had to have some form of like pretty advanced mathematics to be able to like because they line up with the stars and they do all this other crap but they have like some of them have complex geometries and etc so like i don't know it's an interesting theory and i think one of the things is that the kind of shadows the the Old Testament biblical stories and because they all have a flood story. Yeah, well every so so one of the things he points out is that every continent has pyramids on it. Like big pyramids. Some of them are buried. And every like religion has a great flood story. And that so that predates like what we would call it is it, it I don't know I I watched it I yeah, should finish it and then, and then and then he he sums it all up and it kind of goes back to the the thing you were saying about I think it was the KGP period KPG. yeah yeah where KG, there's like, like a layer what Ryan Elliot. said <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> there's like a layer yeah there's like a layer of something in the rock layer um that looks like an asteroid impact so he thinks that an asteroid hit like the ice caps or something no, they don't. They think a they think a comet came really close to the Earth, and like part of the tail hit, and part of the tail and debris from the like comet multiple asteroid impacts potentially hit, hit the like ice the caps. hit glaciers and yeah. like Antar- like the Arctic. Yeah, it calls it the melted a bunch of water and caused massive global flooding. Well, and that's what they theorize caused the um the what. Grand Canyon. I'm sorry. Oh my God. The Grand Canyon, really? Well, because it flooded so fast, the the ice caps. No, smoked. the Grand Canyon is just the Colorado Colorado River. Right. Just slowly right. But away. This, I think his. I yeah, think but the his, amount I don't of think water. It was, 
the oh, Grand Canyon. Can- okay, no, no, it was it was, it was it was in it was in Washington. Okay, yeah. it was in Washington. There's a uh, there in Washington State. There's like this massive like uh, area that looks like there was there was like there was definitely massive flooding there, and they thought it was a series of massive floods over like maybe a couple hundred years or thousands of years or thousands yeah. of years but it happened and he, really he says it's he says it's like maybe one big flood and i don't know he has evidence well, i don't it's even just remember interesting. Exactly. Well, he calls it the younger younger yes yeah, the younger driest impact theory is what his his i don't know if you've ever I don't, I don't know if you've ever but you should look into it because it's very interesting sure. and it, i love yeah. like i love um when you find something that turns everything we know on its head and yeah. i think the younger younger driest impact theory uh, was that you know, a lot of archaeologists disagree with the theory but yeah, yeah i was just do. i wanted to ask you is is he right <laughs> i'd have to watch the whole thing to really know for sure but i mean i i don't i don't find it impossible to believe that there were advanced technologies that we don't know about because you know just looking at some of these ancient um you know the ancient stone buildings like i've heard people like you know people who work on construction sites they say yeah looking at uh, tenochtitlan i think it is or what's the what's the big one in mexico that they Oh, yeah. Um, um, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's I, like, yeah, whatever that one is. Or, no, I forgot the name. So whatever that one is. Yeah, just, yeah, any any of those like, ancient, the ancient buildings where they use these massive multi-ton rocks, people who work with modern construction equipment say, yeah, I don't even know how to lift this with modern technology. Right. That kind of, that kind of makes me Chichen Itza. go, how the Chichen hell did Itza. people do that? What is it? Uh, Chichen Itza's one. Uh, Tio Tecuhan. Tenochtitlan, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, there was one that was like the the lost city kind of thing. But anyways, it doesn't matter. Any, all those, all those things where they were created, all the things where they were created before modern technology supposedly existed, and they use these boulders that I don't even know how you would lift, regardless of how many people you have. There's just not enough force to do so without modern technology. So that makes me just go, I don't know. That and I've also heard people talk about how they could cut the stones too because like the pyramids for example they're made out of like pure granite and i think they've estimated that to cut just to cut like one stone it would have taken like by by hand it would have taken like a year to cut like one stone like something crazy because they're so hard like our modern machinery takes a long time to cut stones like oh man it blows your mind like i mean if you if you had enough people doing it, you just do all of them at the same time. I can believe that. But then how do you lift them? That's right. the question. How do you like, get them from that quarry way down, you know, they hundreds had to of miles aliens, away? So say that. <laughs> well, no, well I, like, the thing to me is, like, I'm, I remember that, that Lost Continent thing I was talking about. Oh, Did yeah. He showed it? me, like, Matt yeah, showed yeah, me Because I was like, I heard there was a Lost Continent. And, like, it's probably, like, if you look at the wiki, it's like, oh, it doesn't exist. So it's, it's just a theory or it's like a mythology that it's Atlantis. And they're like, yeah. the only reason... It says that it's a myth. It's because an entire continent can't just disappear. But it's sure like, can. if you look, yeah, no, sure. If me, if you look into like the younger Dryas, like melting of the ice, it sure can. Like the the water rose well, I mean, five hundred feet. In Arctic like, continent, I think the entire continent of Antarctica is just a sheet of ice, isn't it? Like I it's think not. So. No, there's, there's, there's mountains. There no, there is mountains. Oh, is it? Because yeah, there are mountains. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, there is actual land there for oh, sure. I didn't know and that. there's there's actually tons of oil. Antarctica's yeah, weird. I don't know. I don't know if you get into like conspiracy theories oh, no, or Ryan stuff does. like that. But aliens, oh, yeah. the okay. alien theories. Okay, this is weird. <laughs> Antarctica, you're you're not allowed to travel below. I think it's the 60th parallel, uh, mm-hmm. without like some government approval. You can't just travel okay. down there. So it, it, and that that to me is weird. It's just weird that you would need to like 
contact the government or whatever. Because the weird thing after World War II, Antarctica was split up uh, into like every like a bunch of countries basically got a little sliver of Antarctica. So it got split yeah. up. Like I don't even remember how many pieces it got split up into. So they just split up Antarctica. And then you're not allowed to travel there. And then there's like weird conspiracies about like Aliens. bases there. And yeah, and then there's something called Operation High Jump, which was like a World War Two after World War Two, like the US Navy and I think Great Britain sent like a bunch of ships down to Antarctica. And because I think there was maybe some Nazi base. Nazis were doing something in Antarctica. They had for a, sure. Yeah, Nazis had a base. Crazy shit. Yeah. 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 They had a base, they had a base yeah. in Antarctica. And Crazy it's like, Nazi shit. And like somebody somebody told me this because I said, like, why, you know, why would the Nazis have a base in Antarctica? And their response was, uh, well, obviously to get to Argentina. And I'm like, well, why would they need a base in Antarctica? When yeah. It's like. 500 miles not more than 500 miles it's a super far distance yeah. away from argentina it's not close to argentina no, no it's it like why would you put a base in arctic weather for like a military research base like why in antarctica it doesn't make any sense it's a barren wasteland yeah, it's like it's really hard rigid. to be there yeah and like so they went down there and there's all these weird reports of like that's where the conspiracy starts to get off you know depending on how far you to go down the rabbit hole but the, there's all these reports of like weird stuff that they found down there and like weird other weird crap and i don't know it's just interesting yeah i mean the captain of that led the operation said it was aliens that's what that's, yeah. what, that's really? what supposedly the dude said it was like the nazis were in contact with aliens and then they came and broke it up and like then they made a deal with the aliens or something like that. Yeah, there's some weird <laughs> crazy ass theories like yeah. that. I like it. Oh, you're That's asking good. if I believe in the alien <laughs> yeah, so contacting the Nazis? We're just laughing. Like, oh, we're oh. asking you, is it true? Is it true? Is what true? The aliens in Antarctica theory. Yeah, you think it's true? Well, I don't know. So like my thing is I don't know why aliens would keep a secret like that. Like why would they... So let's let's pretend you're a civilization and you found another civilization that's got a lower technology than you. What would be the advantage to keeping yourself a secret from that lower civilization? So you know? they don't destroy themselves. So you're thinking they don't want us to destroy ourselves with nukes. No, no, so no. Well, just... like this is like okay. I think that's that's been one of the theories because I've definitely heard that argument before. Like, oh, like why would they not show? Like, well, I guess that's also like the great filter too. Like the great filter yeah. hypothesis where there's something that like as a society you have to get past a certain point before like alien civilizations will like think you're worthy enough to like join the, you know, galactic oh. whatever or like show themselves to you or like maybe or they maybe can't give you intervene. technology. They can't intervene. Maybe there's yeah. something like that. Well, there's, yeah, it's like a universal law. The, the, the intervene thing. Like I've heard that it's like almost the exact same as when humans go to like film chimpanzees or like gorillas. Uh -huh. Like they oh. can they can watch. They can't help. They just have their own prime directive. Yeah, right. <laughs> There's like a prime directive. Like you're prime not allowed directive. to intervene no matter what. Yeah. So from what I've heard of the great filter, that's actually an explanation for the Fermi paradox. Do you guys know about that? Yeah, it's it's like, well, isn't the Fermi paradox like, okay, if there's the universe is so big, and there's so many stars, there's so many solar systems, there's so many planets, then where are all the aliens? Like They're not obviously yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so Fermi actually did a calculation. He figured out there should be some number of alien civilizations based on there's this many stars in the galaxy, this many stars probably have planets, this many planets maybe have some kind of life, this many planets with life have some kind of advanced civilization. And it was a humongous number. And so he looked at it and he just thought, 
why aren't there civilizations contacting us every day? And so that's the idea behind the Fermi paradox. And the great filter idea is that number might be a lot smaller because there may be something in the evolution of any given advanced species that stops them. Either, you know, the advancement of nuclear technology and everybody tends to wipe themselves out. Or maybe it's something wow. earlier, like, the, you know, going from single cells to multi-cells. Maybe that's a lot more difficult than we think. So. Oh, do you think like maybe kind of, we are part alien? That's a theory. No, too. not we're yeah. part alien. Just that we've we've gotten past what might be a big barrier to and being an being an intelligent species. Right. Like so that you know, for example, going from multicellular single cellularity to multicellularity, that might be damn near impossible. But we just you know one microbe happened to absorb another microbe and survive better, and then all of a sudden it broke through that barrier. But if that's really hard to do for aliens, that might be why there's not a lot of advanced species out there. Oh my goodness, yeah. that's I've never heard that. Yeah, that or there's the you know reveal themselves. I've also heard the one where that once a there's like an advanced advanced alien species that if anyone gets to the point where they can travel interdimensionally, they destroy that civilization. Oh really? Yeah, it's a theory too. Yeah. You've heard that one. You've heard that one, Ryan. Yeah, there's like yeah, there's like a hunter killer like like alien society that doesn't allow any civilization to get past a certain point. Oh yeah. Okay, that's well, it makes not... sense. If you, if you think anything that becomes as advanced as you is going to become a threat and you're a very hostile species to begin with, like depending on what their civilization has been throughout their evolution, they might just go they might just operate under the assumption anything that's as advanced as us is a threat. Destroy it beforehand. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh my maybe. goodness. Not that that's a good way to be, but that might be their philosophy. Yeah, I guess it's an unlikely I, one. I personally think that, like, in order to get to be a super advanced civilization, you have to be exceptionally benign, to the point where, like, because I think one of the great filters is literally like not blowing yourselves up. Right. I think you have to be <laughs> exceptionally benign, like, to the point where, like, there is no more war. Well, like, there is global no more... enlightenment is what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, kind of exactly. Yeah. Like, there it has to be so peaceful that. Like we all work yeah, together. You would, you would never, but yeah, you would, you would, you goal. would all be kind of on the same page. Everyone would have, be very empathetic. Everyone would be very like, yeah, kind of on just on the same page, you know? Yeah. I think. Well, I, here's here's the problem with that though. So most of the really advanced species, like you know, just on Earth, most of the species that we think of as intelligent and you know that could, if given enough time, become a super species like us, are predators, and that's because you know to be a prey item you're just eating grass. You don't need to be super smart to be a predator. Yeah. You have to know, you have to be able to like use your mind to put yourself in the, in the feet of the prey and see like, okay, what is this thing going to do? You have to be able to hunt them. You have, you know, it's a lot more in brain work to be a predator. Right. And so that's why being a predatory animal is more likely to make you intelligent enough to become a civilization like that. So evolutionarily speaking, they're more likely to have started as predators. And, you know, I'm not saying you can ever go back, to being a benign species, but you're going to have that drive inside your brain right. of, uh, I'm that, a hunter. Wouldn't yeah. that get like, uh, like, okay, yeah, I, I think you're right, where like, yeah, the biological path is, uh, yeah, you you are, you go from being like some sort of peaceful uh, herbivore well, to being a predator to, and then I think after you are the alpha predator or whatever, you end up probably going back 
to being more benign because you realize at some point like yeah. the like because you keep blowing yourself up because you have this lizard brain predator in you <laughs> that that is that is actually like it it's that is that is that is darwinism literally like it is killing yeah. off you're killing your own species so that gets at some point eliminated because it just gets killed out of humans yeah you you destroy yourself yeah. you get, yeah. Yeah. yeah oh well, i mean maybe I, I don't know but i was i was um watching a uh ironically a thing on like human evolution yesterday and it was so interesting because you know like the hominids you know that we came from um not not the dinosaur line but um it, it's so interesting like i didn't so when i was in school like there was like just a few hominids that they had you know, discovered, right? The leakies, I think it was. And now there are so many more. Hominids are just like little people. Well, they're like just old people. They're like, they. It's, it's any, any animal that is, that you would look at it and go kind of like, hey, that might be a human. If like it human I think it's a bipedal that makes it a hominid. I don't know. I'm yeah, not. Yeah, bi bipedal primate. Primate ish like type that. thing. But there's so many that were so similar to us. I yeah. mean, so many, like the Neanderthal, there was, and I didn't know this until yesterday, but there's another one that was like competing. All and... There was another one though. So it was Neanderthal, human, like what we Homo sapiens sapien, and then there was another one, and that Homo erectus. That was one, but that might have been an ancestor instead. I think there was That's an ancestor, ancestor. Homo erectus. Yeah, yes, of course yeah, they I, love that. that one. Sometimes I get Homo erectus. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> With blue chew. That's we talking about blue chew. That's why I need blue chew. That's this episode awesome. was sponsored by Blue Chew. Yes, this episode, get hard. All of our episodes are sponsored by Blue Chew. Um, Homo sapien or Homo erectus. erectus? Oh my god! Okay, my point was let's get erectus. There was some some mister mysterious DNA in our genetics that they didn't know. They just thought it was junk DNA, and then they realized that actually this DNA came from this other hominid, this other advanced hominid that was coexisting with us and you know how we all did the 23 and me and we have neanderthal in us yeah we all have a little percentage of neanderthal ryan have you done 23 and me yet uh i do not trust a company to deal with my dna no okay. thank you so that's no okay no well, we clones did. in this house <laughs> no, no clones <laughs> Oh, it goes far beyond Did that. Did you say clowns or clones? <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. I said yeah. clones. Clones. They just yeah. want to clone. No, all they the want humans. to steal your DNA so they can get into your bank account. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, you don't want to know the stuff they can do if they get a hold of your DNA. So oh, you know no. too much, no. Ryan. So yeah, Randy. I might... know too much. I've did. I've gone down the holes, and I I have stared into the abyss, and I I looked into that stupid big black square, and it's full of stars that are scammers. So yeah, no, <laughs> that's so. What true. can they do with your DNA? Oh God! I don't even know. So I bad? forgot about this. Why is it I, so bad to be an untrusted third party? We got DNA? it for Christmas from Jim, so we all yeah. did it like yeah. idiots. Well, no. Oh, oh, that's fun. You don't want to know. You don't want to know. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> want to. Well, well, Ryan. This, the funny thing is that um, you know, like I I got mine back, and I didn't think I was any bit Irish, and I'm like, what am I like seven percent Irish or something? So I tell my mother, I said, hey, um, I'm Irish, and we're nine percent Finnish. So and I go, that had to come from you. She's like, that's not true. That didn't come from. So my mother is denying uh, any the, Irish the DNA because she's like, oh, there's no Finnish because it's all Scandinavian and there's a little Finnish in there. I'm like, mom, uh, Finland is right next to. Yeah, I was about to say, aren't those two very close together? I'm sure right. a little yeah. Finn got in there. So, so but like, if you more, took it, yeah. Ryan, we'd have the same. You'd we'd be on that chart as like really close relatives. Um, oh, but well, yeah, well, that's one way. To, that's one reason. But anyhow. There's something called junk DNA, and now they've discovered that that yep. junk DNA actually came from this other, like intron. 
yeah, this uh, so so I I knew the Neanderthal humans, and then there's another one that was breeding with humans as well, which is creepy to think about. But what mm-hmm. drove the what drove humans to be human, or hominids to start to become human was the hunting, ex- like exactly like you said, the intelligence, and they ate more protein. So the more protein they yep. eat, the more they're driven. Have you heard of the stoned ape theory? Okay, I do not want to hear this. No, this is great. Is this, this is from actually... Joe Rogan? Because Joe Rogan always talks about the stoned, <laughs> whatever. Uh, it, I may or may not have heard it on it was. podcast. But they talk a lot about yeah. tr- shrooms on that podcast. But that's well, fine. We love Joe okay, Rogan. Okay, 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 okay. This, this is actually interesting, though. This is interesting. It The whole theory is that humans, like hominids, uh, like the human, or I guess like the brain size grew so rapidly, so fast. That it's like hard to explain, and so like the do not do not say like neurotropics. Yeah, yeah, they said that that's a theory Ryan, that they took they took mushrooms because mushrooms are literally everywhere. Hallucinogenic mushrooms are literally everywhere, and they expanded the minds and allowed the brain size to grow and, okay, I, and so new ideas to form and whatever. Do and, monkeys eat mushrooms? Yes. Oh, they do. Well, yes. maybe, maybe that is okay. <laughs> they are the psilocybin mushroom grows literally everywhere, like it but, grows on cow pies. Okay, so here's the the psilocybin, yeah. But then there's also the mushroom that kills you, the death cap. There's Ooh. so many mushrooms that kill you that yes. that's not a single one. Yeah. yeah. So so like <laughs> why why would I, I guess maybe monkeys learn to eat a certain one, but you don't see dogs eating mushrooms. They're smarter. They probably have. I bet they have. No, they don't go near no, them. Right? Evolutionarily speaking, it's not going to be a single. It's not going to be eating a mushroom that lets Come your on, brain right. grow. It's going to be <laughs> dinosaurs didn't eat enough <laughs> mushrooms. So, I mean, right. Like a mushroom can of course affect your brain, but it's a temporary thing. Like it's not a. It's not going to increase the brain mass in any one given individual. You know what I mean? But See? like, what if it? Good. Thank you, what Ryan. If it um, it gave you like new ideas or something, and you were like, that's possible. Guy. Yeah. I mean, if that's like, let's say you eat, let's say a Homo neanderthalus eats a mushroom and suddenly picks up a stick and stabs a mammoth with it. Yeah. Other ones will probably see it and go, "Hey, we can stab those things. Let's do that." Exactly. <laughs> and then maybe that's why they got so much meat because they were eating oh, mushrooms. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's possible. Okay, maybe. not everything. This is what drives me nuts. What? Yeah, you know you could Everything on a certain podcast is not true. It no, it's all goes back to psychedelics. Okay. Like I heard I heard <laughs> this certain podcast talk about how all the all the cool automobiles of the 1970s were because everybody was tripping on psychedelics. Probably. Sure, you, I believe Jimi that. Hendrix. Yeah, maybe. Designing cars. Jimi Hendrix. Was he did like not design a car. Yeah, I bet you. I music. bet you they came up with a real vague idea when they were high. They came up with some kind of real line drawing kind of thing, like with curving, swooping lines. Put it down, aim back down from that high, and said, "Hey, <laughs> I bet I could make this look a little better." And so I, I would believe that. It's I don't not think just the, creativity the or like s- staring into nature. No, it is pretty funny. No, you can't like, be an artist without the drug. Really? Yeah, it's a truth. Oh hey, I'm an artist. I don't use drugs. <laughs> Me neither. Me either. Yeah. No, Ryan, I mean like no, music Ryan, artists and painters. Legit, no, legitimately, Ryan designed his own cover, which is like oh, okay. crazy. That's that's no, you're a very, good. you're a very good artist. You oh, thank you. You didn't know that? No, I well, I didn't. He's got know, a beautiful I don't think, cover. I don't cover. think that all artists need to take drugs to be to make good art. But I do, I do think that. I mean, they know this like scientifically, like has different there's different neurons different pathways well, in your brain that light up when you're on those drugs so like okay let me let me back up what 
there are some people that are just innately creative. Yes. I'm not saying that that's not true. I'm There's some people true. that know how to meditate and can get You're to a You're not creative unless level. you take a drug. Like, that's the truth. You got to start licking toads. <laughs> yeah. And you'll start producing high quality art. Yeah. I'm sorry. Listen, I'm just going to apologize now, right? You're not yourself without the cocaine. Okay, okay so stop it. Did, did in <laughs> order to write better and do anything in this world and be creative in any way, you must take a drug. Well, I bet you Stephen King would agree with that. I've Stephen heard he King. likes to imbibe things. Oh, does he? Oh, yeah. No oh, wonder. Yeah. Stephen King wrote well, it. That, that's Come why on. The Shining main character was kind of, I think, based on himself, like the really? alcoholic. He's got a lot of problems and is a writer. And yeah. just like, yeah, read wrong. I heard read. some of his books. He literally didn't remember writing them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, he didn't remember writing. He locked himself in a cabin and took a bunch of cocaine and wrote it. No. Yes, it is like huge. Right. It is a giant book, and there's some very weird stuff in there. Which, is that that? It's the one with the, the, clown. the clown. Oh, that's a horrible book. Oh, it? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's scary. <laughs> what I mean by that, it's probably very well done, but it's I re- yeah, it's very scary. He is the king I of. I needing some drugs to get that thing to come out of you. Well, that's it. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes so. it's just like a dark place that you normally wouldn't want to go. Yeah. I was at a book um, a book thing, and you were you were at a book thing just uh, yesterday, I think. But I was at uh, this bookseller was hilarious. She liked Stephen King stuff, but she read something he did. And he goes, "I'm going to call Stephen King and ask him to change his prescription because that was messed up." <laughs> oh my jeez! <laughs> but she was adorable because she was like going on this rant and just like, "I'm going to call Stephen King." Maybe he's one of those guys who just wants to do it, but can't because he's like sane. But he's got like psycho thoughts. Oh, I like don't he's know. like, I want to kill somebody, but I can't do it. So I'll write about it. I'll write about tr- it. Exactly. That's what people, every murder writer is. So you know. Yeah, <laughs> they go to therapy true. and then they're, they they talk to, to their therapist. Yeah. yeah, they go to yeah. their, they're sitting on the couch and then the therapist's like, "What's troubling you?" And they're like, "I just want to murder someone so bad." And then they're someone, like, "They uh, just they're like, you should just write a book instead." And then that's how. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's I just want to dress up like a clown. Like playing a violent video game is just an outlet that's not hurting anybody. So why yeah. not? <laughs> oh my god, it is funny, and I mean we laugh about that because I have to p- kill in every. I have to have a murder in every one of my stories, and it's funny because yeah, but they're like gentle. They're called cozy mysteries, but there's always a body in there. It just. <laughs> When you think about it, it is messed up, right? Because, like, right now I have to think about a I mean, what, what you write murder-wise, like, you're not, it's not, like, detailed it's murders. It's not. Like, detailed murdering be. is... Uh, uh, you murder off screen. Yeah, you murder <laughs> off screen. Right, yeah. you find a body. When yeah. you murder on screen, you're somebody who wants to do it. Right. It's, <laughs> yeah. Those are interesting, but there's a there's so many genres, um, you know, in the, in the, you know, writing or the, you know, reading. Um, but yeah, some of that stuff is spooks me, you know, that's what we stay. That's why we stay away. Right, Ryan. We stay, we stay. In we the do. More, the more There's creative enough gory side. stuff out there. I, I kind of wanted to keep mine a little lighter. So yeah. Oh, it's so I mean, Jurassic Park is a pretty gory uh, movie. To be honest oh yeah. I mean, the book is worse. Probably like, I oh, remember yeah. my favorite scene in it was Dennis Nedry getting his intestines ripped out. So. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I re- yes. I remember. That was your favorite. To... I think so. Yeah, that's was the one I kept kid? being like, I want to read that one again. Oh my god! That's... Is that is that the part? <laughs> so sick. I is love that the, it. Is that the uh, awesome. Velociraptor just... part? No, that's the Dilophosaurus, the spitter guy. Oh, oh the yeah, ant, the fat yeah. Guy. That's our the, yeah. the guy who the guy who steals Seinfeld. What does he do? Oh, yeah, he's, he's Seinfeld. He's, uh, yeah. he's Norman. Newman. 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 Yeah, Newman, Newman from Seinfeld. Where yeah. he hides the DNA in the shaving cream can. 
Yeah. That's yeah. genius. Which I have. If we ever do a video podcast, I'll show off mine. Do you, have, you have it? No way. Pull it out, Ryan. Pull it out. Right, I'll show you guys. Oh, my God. You have the can? Oh, my God. He is a super fan. That's awesome. Oh, my God. No Where did you way. get this, Ryan? So oh, for, I made oh, it. You made it? It's a can. Oh, that's oh, awesome. Oh, my God. That is awesome. Okay, we need a picture of that. We're gonna. Oh my so God, sick. Ryan, you made that? I made it. Okay, so for those I made it back in high school. I used. I just used a bunch of little action figure parts to make it look like it has cryogenic, you know, materials to it. Oh <laughs> yeah. awesome. my God, that for those of you at home, um, Ryan just it pulled looks, out a Barbasol. It looks like straight up like the thing from Jurassic Park. That's it was yeah. absolutely. You're a phenomenal modeler. You remind me of Ron. You know. I love the... making pop Ralph, yeah. Oh my yeah, god, that's, that's awesome. so cool. That's sick. We'll have to go on. What a what a terrible driver, though. My God. Driver. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in that right? movie? Are you, what are you kidding me? He's... Oh, when he runs off the road. Yeah, he runs yeah, off the road. Yeah, he was in a Jeep in the rain. Those things are hard to drive. I've driven one of those. In the rain, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually drove the exact model of Jeep they had in that movie, not by choice. Like I that was just the one that I ended up getting, and I was like, wait, the is Wrangler? this the one they use in Jurassic Park? Oh my God! It is. Wait, yeah. wait well, was the this Wrangler? one that you guys had when you were kids? Because yeah. I know you guys had a Jeep. The Wranglers are sick. Was that the one? You we did? had two. When we, we had two when I was a kid. We had one that was my sister George. Uh, one was Robin's. One was George's. They were Robin's Wranglers. was just kind of a regular Jeep. Georgia had the Sahara edition that was the same sand sand color and it had the same green seats. The Sahara model. What? It was exactly the same Jurassic Park Jeep. Oh my! Where is that now? That's... We had to sell it because it sat in a garage for 20 years and didn't run. Oh, <laughs> man, that's a perfect... Dude, you guys probably could have still sold Tanker. that for Yeah, those things are actually kind of valuable. Oh, we, we sold it for a pretty good amount. We, yeah. we knew what we were selling, but still, they, they had to put a little work into it. And I was like, you know what? I, this car is too much work for me. Let's let right. it go to someone who's going to enjoy it. But so, that's yeah. so funny. Because it was trouble to put up the top, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Back in the... Yeah. It's what? It's the 1996 one, right? Uh, sure. 93, I want to say, or 94. What did yeah. they make Jurassic Park? What was that? What did they 93 make? was Jurassic Park. Really? Ah. Yeah, because you guys were little, and I thought it was, I just remember seeing that movie, and I thought, oh, my God. It was so cool to see dinosaurs so realistic, like, on oh, the yeah. screen. If you watch it now, you're kind of like, yeah, Oh, it I don't still know. is impressive, though. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's like kind of going back to watch, like, The Incredibles. It's really movies that made yesterday. So. You, wait, you did what? I said I still watch Jurassic Park and think it looks better than some of the movies they make today. No, I agree. That's like that's how I feel when I see the thing. Like the, movie oh, the yeah. thing, like the props and the the movie, the thing are like from the seventies and they look amazing. Well, but the thing is, they're physical props as opposed to computer graphic images, and those hold up a lot better. If nothing else, because it's hard to match lighting when you change formats a bunch of different times because it's not physically in the shot, you know. Yeah, that is true. It's so so anything that's a physical prop is gonna really look the same no matter what. Yeah, yeah those are. Yeah. I mean, it was just a, it was so impressive to you know watch that for the first time. Uh, but yeah, the other ones that they have now, I don't know. I still think the first one is magical. You know, if you can say oh, Jurassic yeah. Park is magical. Second one's more like a war movie. No, the first the first <laughs> couple were pretty good, and then now they I don't know the new ones. What do you new think? Ones of the are new terrible. Ones? I like the new um, ones are pretty mediocre. They're they're fun to watch, fun, but yeah. I'm just like. Eh. I just never believed the idea that people would go to a zoo with dinosaurs and be bored because they've already seen dinosaurs exactly. and want like genetic yeah. hybrid crap. Oh. I mean, think of how many people go to zoos and think, oh man, this elephant's okay, but I wish they would mix it with a lion and it'd have oh stripes. Oh my God, you're no right. That. Yeah, no, that's a good that. call. Because right. yeah, the last one I saw and I was I like, went I was... to a zoo, actually. No. I just went to a zoo. 
And I'll be honest, like seeing a bear or a Bengal tiger like less than twenty feet away from you is always amazing. Like always, yeah, like, it's always magical. You're never like, gonna want them to create yeah. fake things. You'll just be like, "What is this monstrosity you created?" Ugh. Yeah, this is terrifying. Zoos kind of bum me out. Not gonna lie. Yeah, they kind of bum yeah, me do. out too. They have to be bit. good zoos. Yeah, it's oh, like, yeah, I don't know. They're just like the you can tell the animals don't. They want to be in like a, a lot of times they just need a bigger space. I think. Well, think animals. about like Jura- the whole premise of Jurassic Park making a. I mean, it is crazy to think that you can take dinosaurs and put them on an island and keep them there, and people can come visit. <laughs> yeah. You know, because it's I don't know. It's like I. I it's amazing, but what, what what a what a cool stretch of the imagination, and that. I think does is that what inspired you? Like what inspired you to write about dinosaurs? I don't know. I'm, like I can't really point to one single thing. Like like you said, I've liked dinosaurs since I was a little kid. I mean, when I was a real little kid, I used to have a bag of fifty dinosaurs, all different ones, and I could literally take them out and name them all to my mom. And she right. was like, oh, I remember. remember these names. No, I remember <laughs> you were super little, and you'd have a dinosaur book, and you, like we just thought it was okay. awesome that you knew all the dinosaurs. Like you knew the yeah, names. Yeah. I've always had a fan. I've always been a fan of dinosaurs. I don't know. And someone asked me once, like, because I like dragons too. And they were like, do you like dragons because they look like dinosaurs or dinosaurs because they look like dragons? And I was like, ah, I don't know. I just like them both. <laughs> yeah. I, you never you never think about that. You know, it's like. Yeah, but yeah. Jurassic Park was probably a big inspiration. Just like the, the whole, like, because Michael Crichton in general as an author is a I, very big inspiration to yes. me. How he writes very scientifically and he doesn't just kind of wash over details he really lets you know like oh i know what i'm talking about yeah he, was, yeah he gets in the nitty-gritty he was great i loved michael Crichton. what was that one book where he went back into like the middle ages was timeline it? oh i loved that one. Oh, he wrote timeline <laughs> too yeah he wrote timeline he wrote sphere he wrote congo he actually went to the congo before he wrote congo he actually like had a guide take him through the jungles and all that kind of stuff so. oh like man congo should... or con or condo congo congo Congo. and then he wrote a book about it yeah i was like oh, he's a land developer <laughs> no he i mean he i i loved his novels um but that gosh they'd come out in like what late 80s maybe I can't remember. I think he started writing in kind of the '60s, and he kept writing up until he died in I think 2000s, maybe yeah. early 2000s, maybe but, earlier than that. I don't really know when. But he what died, an but... imagination! Yeah. And what what yeah. writing? Like what brought you to the table? Because I know, like you know, I don't know. I can't sometimes even understand why I wanted to write a novel. You know, I I didn't <laughs> want to write when I was a kid, but I like telling stories, and I think one, you know, I I was. Um, always kind of intimidated by English itself, but I loved yeah. creative writing, that kind of thing. So I think, I, you know, there was one point in my life where I'm like, I'm just going to write a novel. It was kind of like I, I was a like you, a vast reader. And at one point I was just like, I just want to write a book that I want to read. Yeah. So what was it about? <laughs> I mean, did you have like that or what were you, did you always want to write well, I think I've always kind of wanted to write it. I've always had a big folder on my computer of just random ideas for stuff that I've never really had time to sit down and write. And I was like, oh, maybe one day I'll do it. But then really, I hate to say it, but it was kind of my mom that inspired me to write the actual novel because she said oh. she wanted to see me publish a novel before she died. And oh, I was like, oh my gosh, I right, love I can that. Make that happen. 
Oh, yeah, Ryan. So, yeah. I didn't awesome. know that. I love that. So that, that's why I, I, I think she's the first person I dedicated the book to, if I'm if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah. no, and I like with you know, that's a phenomenal thing to dedicate it to her because um I think that you do need somebody who inspires you. And I think my dad used to always say, like when I started writing historical fiction, I wrote this giant I tell the kids it's like it's like eight hundred page epic. Um, way too big. Yeah, it was way too big for the market. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I, you know, like to tell the story and uh, it was a fun story, but you always have to have somebody who believes in you and encourages you uh, because it is a weird thing, you know, spending so much time behind a computer just telling stories. But so you've always kind of wanted to be a writer. You had all these ideas. Yeah. And then you just needed a kick from your mom. A little bit, yeah. My dear yeah, and the other, Sandy. The other part of the kick was that I worked in a laboratory that was not a great place to work. Why? <laughs> it was, you know, well, we packed chemicals and they just weren't very safe about it. And eventually just ah. kind of the stress really got to me. And they did something that I was like, nope, that's the last draw. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. And so I kind of, I got out of that and I was like, you know what? I think I just need to write a book for a little while. So I'm just yeah. going to take some time off and... No, that's crazy because you were pushed into an area where you're like, I can't let this go on. It is hard. Yeah. So, Ryan, what is next for you? Like, what are you working on now? Uh, well, right now I'm trying to market the thing, really. So. Okay. That yeah, that <laughs> opens up into a whole other. God, my God. Yeah, that's the hardest part. Uh, yeah. yeah. So and and yeah. Um, because like I want to say to everybody, um, the Wild Chores of Pangea. It's available on Amazon. And do you have um, you have physical books as well, don't you? So I just bought some physical books just from Blurb just to sell here. I haven't uploaded a proper file to sell physical books on Amazon yet. Okay. Uh, it's just it's just a matter of sitting down and formatting no, and all that kind of stuff. It's a pain in the butt. Believe me. It is. <laughs> it's a wonderful <laughs> world of publishing. Um, it is. But it's just, yeah, it's one of boys. Do you have any, any further questions? Any uh, further questions for Ryan? I don't know. I mean, I so I need to, I bought your book on Kindle. So I'm, I've started it and I'm. I've uh, I need to go back to it and finish it, but yeah. So it's yeah. so far it's pretty cool though. I do like it. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's hard for me to get into books. I'll be honest with you. I've been trying to read uh, one book, and that's Rich Dad Poor Dad. And I'll tell you what, I got like a third of the way through it and forgot to read. So Did and you? how to read? <laughs> Jesus. Um. I'm but so you proud. You know what? Let me leave you with this last thought. Submarines are sick. Okay. Uh, and uh, sure. and submarines are not enough books. All right. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a lot of submarine in this book. I did a lot of research and learned a lot about this stupid old submarine. So <laughs> that submarine is like very famous too, by the way. Yeah. That's yeah, a really cool. Well, that's submarine. why you have to read it because you, it, I mean, it. Did you know the last working German submarine from World War II was in Illinois? I did know that, and uh, the the girl who was my book coach actually has seen it, and she told me I need to come see it. So I was like, "Well, one of these days I'm gonna have to go there." Oh, I you know. I, you know how they got it? I took you it tell you the story of how they got that Tell submarine. I don't know. So uh, the Germans used to they used to you know attack in in groups of like five or I think it was maybe five five U boats or something like that. Maybe a little bit bigger, maybe a little bit smaller. I don't really know. Uh, they used to call them wolf packs, but uh, the Americans and the British really started getting pissed off at that. You know, obviously when you get ships just blown up by a bunch of like submarines, you're gonna start to get a little pissed. So, the Americans created like hunter destroyers, like U-boat ships, right? And the problem was every time they like 
blew up one of these submarines, they would always surface. The crew would get out, and then they would scuttle the ship until one dude was like, we're going to steal the submarine when it comes up. So they like, mm. so they like pirating. They forced it to come to the top. They forced it to come over to the top using like explosives. And when the crew got out, they immediately boarded it and then tried to fix it from sinking. Was this U five seven one? Was that the plot of yes. that one? No, this is okay. the well. This is the one in Chicago. I don't remember what the designation was, but this is like how. No, they there's got a it. movie called U five seven one that was all about them boarding a submarine like that. Oh, it, it was in World been. War Two. It probably is that because they literally like. They literally, you know, shot explosives at it, had the submarine surface, and when the crew got off, they sent their repairman crew on to the submarine to stop it from sinking, and then tied it to an aircraft carrier and towed it all the way to, like, Panama. <laughs> oh, they towed it. Okay, from now, so U-571 was different. I don't know if U-571 was a true story or not, but they boarded and took over a U-boat. I think they kind of dressed as German soldiers and snuck their way on and then kind of imprisoned the whole crew one at a time. So. No, this was a lot more brute force than that. This is like, <laughs> this is like they literally, they, they like, they were like, the German crew got off and the American crew got on. They're like, excuse me, this is ours now. And they're like, you can't, they're like, you can't take that. It has like a full Enigma sh- machine on it. And they're like, sucks. We're going to take it. That is so cool. Cause I, so they, yeah. I've been in that submarine. There's one in Chicago. Yes. And, yeah, like, when I was a kid, but now you know so much more about it. But yeah, Ryan, you've got to go because Ryan has some awesome yeah, submarine. Like that's a, that's pretty much a big part of the plot of his book. I don't want to ruin it yeah. for you. Yeah, it's, it's a character in the book for sure. And I know, <laughs> yeah. and I know, like just it's not a spoiler, but I know that there's more to come for that book. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so there's yeah. My, my plan is if it sells well enough, then I'm going to do two more books in the series. The the next two uh, big periods of the dinosaurs, the Jurassic and the Cretaceous. So. Oh my God. I'm working a little bit on the Jurassic one right now. So. Jurassic is epic. Cretaceous. Is that like after or before the Jurassic? Uh, so the Triassic is the earliest, the Jurassic is the middle, and the Cretaceous is the most recent. Is that uh, what kind of animals we're talking there? Uh, oh, I don't even know. So Jurassic has some smaller but still kind of big predators. They have a lot of the sauropods, like the long neck ones. Um, Cretaceous has like T-Rex, Triceratops, Velociraptors, so... That's a cool one. See, I didn't. I just thought they all coexisted. The Jurassic. Okay. <laughs> oh no! So, a hilarious thing to realize when you want to think about them all coexisting: a T Rex is actually closer to an iPhone than it is to a Stegosaurus. Oh my what? god! Yep. Mind blown. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Holy shit! Yep. Yeah, because it's you know, so the T Rex is I think sixty-five million years away from the iPhone, but it's over a hundred million years away from Stegosaurus. So. <laughs> and Stegosaurus came after T-Rex. Before. No, Stegosaurus was Jurassic. And T-Rex. They were they lived about 150 million years ago. We need we need graphics. Were we all need... the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park like are they all did they all exist at the same time or is that all? No, there were I think they're mostly a mix of Cretaceous and Jurassic ones. They don't but really have anything from Triassic period Because there, they but... were doing dino DNA, it didn't really matter. Dino. No, it, yeah, it didn't matter. But like yeah. T Rex is Cretaceous, Triceratops is Cretaceous. But it was uh, false advertising to call it Jurassic Park. <laughs> eh, I mean, they had some Jurassic dinosaurs. So it should have been called some Jurassic Park. Some Jurassic Park. <laughs> Partly Jurassic Park. Partly <laughs> we could have called it Mesozoic, Park. but that wouldn't have had the same ring to it. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, and then, um, like, uh, you want to say where you, where you can where else can you get your book? Is it primarily on Amazon, or are you on any other? Yeah. Form? Right. 
Yeah, right now it's just on Amazon. Hopefully I'll expand to other things, but I don't want to say, oh, it's going to be on this until I know. (laughs) Right. So right now, like, so everybody listening, like it is a fun book. It's on Amazon. It's very, very um, entertaining. Uh, If you want to read about going back into the, wait, which epic are we going to? Triassic. The wild shores. People people don't even know what that one was. That's why I wrote about it. It's so funny because I read it and I was just dying because it's like the dinosaur. I will say, Ryan, that you your passion for paleontology came out in that book because I was blown away by the science in it. And I love. I mean, I like science. I don't. You know, obviously, I don't know as much about it as as you do. But um, we want to thank you. I didn't either until I started writing the book. Oh, no. (laughs) We want to thank you so much for coming on. We want to have you back. Um, You're so fascinating to talk to. So smart about science and biology and all of that. But we had a fabulous time and we wish you um, just tremendous success with the wild shores of Pangea. So um, I'll post some of your links uh, when we went below uh, this podcast when we, we send it out. But um, good. I, I'm, I have an Instagram account that I'm going to probably do some little informative dinosaur videos on. Do so. it and do. Oh, um, nice. I know you make yeah. uh, action figures. You got to post those. Send yeah. tagging. I, do make, them. I have made I have made action figures of my whole cast. So, OK, so <laughs> nice. I mean, okay. we'll put those on the Motherboy podcast. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, well, I that think we awesome. can start to promote that. That was just like. But yeah, you're multi-talented. <laughs> amazing. My wonderful younger cousin um it was just such a pleasure boys what do you say yeah Um, you know i'm gonna say uh thank god we don't live with those fucking monsters (laughs) (laughs) yep um yo wait we we got it we we have something to play out on because we always ryan we always play out uh uh we always have to add in a fun song uh (laughs) can't imagine what it's gonna be what is this what, do you know what this is yet? Ah! Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm not gonna spoil it for the audience. It's our, it's Indiana Jones. Oh my God! We got the wrong song. We got the wrong song. It should have been Jurassic Park. My mug is Indiana Jones today. Oh, <laughs> well, no. all right, that works. That works. Wait, yeah, you do have a, you do, you do. Have that will play it out. <laughs> that works. There you go. book people yeah thank you so much everybody thanks for listening to the motherboy podcast Uh, have a great week and we'll see you next week thank you for having me hey this is dan hey this is matt Hey, if you like this podcast, please consider liking and subscribing. As well as sharing it with your friends and family. Also, if you're interested in Darcy Hanna's books, you can check them out on Amazon or DarcyHanna.com. Anyway, thank you for your time and your listen. Have a great day. Yeah, have a good one. Bye.